What is up, guys? Episode 36 of Drinks and Dogs. It's been a, been a few weeks, uh, KD. 36. Yes, right. it has been. It has. We've both been busy. We've both been real busy. That's definitely been nuts. It's um I didn't think I didn't I didn't really think it was like that long since we've talked. But I mean it's been three weeks now that I was I looked up what number it was right now. Uh, and I was like, dang it, well, it's been that like long since uh we've talked or we've done one of these shows. Yeah, and we haven't spoken really in between either. Outside of quick. you checking up on me, which I always appreciate. And timing is always good. Like I'll be like right in the middle of something. And lately when you've texted me, it's like I've actually been off track and I'll, and I get a text from you like, what's up, brother? How's this going? How's health? How's extra? I'm like, oh, that's right, man. Like, <laughs> that's right. Thank you. So, you know, I appreciate stuff like that. I think more people need to do that for each other. Oh, that, dude, I fucking like one of the things like this year, especially like after like, you know, the first part of this year and everything, you know, those going on that we've talked about. And just being like busy, I was like, man, I was like, that's something like I want to get better at, you know, at least like with like like my friends and stuff like that. I was like, you know, make sure like you know check in, like you don't gotta have like this full blown conversation, but hey, like everything good, everything's good, you know, make sure everyone's like cool and you know checking in because I mean that stuff helps, you know, that stuff helps me. I know that for sure, especially with how busy life can get, you know. It's yeah, and you never know, you never know how your message is going to help someone in a moment, right? So I had put a post on my um, on my Instagram, I think it was an Instagram story, like a couple weeks ago, maybe, like three, four weeks ago. Um, and it was just like, text somebody today something nice. Someone who doesn't expect it, but absolutely deserves it. Because it's like, you never know how a simple, unsolicited, message can change someone's entire day whether it's checking up on them because now they you know they feel like hey you know someone's thinking about me someone cares or like just outright saying hey you know i really like the way you do this like completely out of nowhere that's huge you just you never know and we get so used to i think i think what's really effed up I I think a lot of people spend more time communicating with people they don't like because of social media, communicating with people that have no value to them than they do communicate with the people that freaking matter. How about that for some like, wow, wait a minute. Like if everyone listening to that right now sat and thought how much time they spend interacting with people that they actually have strong disdain for or distaste for or people that have no value in their life. And it's like, when's the last time you talked to your parents or when's the last time you talked to your brother, your sister, your, your kids? I mean, come on. And it's like, I think the one thing too, it's, it's about, a lot of presence like you know because that brings up a really good point like me and i obviously like you know like our, my situation here like you know aaron is the general manager of primal canine we're together a lot you know my I, I do see my daughter you know very frequently and with them but you can get caught up in like business to where you know you're doing all the things you're talking to all these people you're working all these business things out but the amount of present time that you're spending with these people who are significant in your life is becoming decreased because you're spending so much time, you know, doing all this up busy work, but 
but you you start to I I noticed it at least part part of last year when I was like really stressing out at the end. I'm like, man, I was like, I'm stressing out about all this other stuff and work and spending time doing all this other work for you know people who probably don't really give a you know give a shit really, you know, at the end of the day. And when I could be having you know the time I have where I can spend time with like my daughter with my you know with Aaron and be present and be there and actually you know spend time with them, talk to them just like normal like a normal relationship and you know, have those things. And once I started focusing on that and started thinking about that stuff, or even like just general friends, you know, checking in here and there with people who have, you know, cause I have a very small group of like I people I would actually consider like my friends, uh, you know, or, you know, and if, yeah, very small group that I'll check in with and just kind of BS with here and there. And once I kind of really, really started looking at that, you know, it, one, my relationships became better, which is the most important thing because people who are important to you, you want those relationships to be good and healthy and then too, uh, like, you know, it, it actually did something a, a little bit for me on the selfish side where it was like, okay, like I felt like a lot more complete instead of just being like burnt out, like, you know, being able to like, for example, like today I drop off Ivy on Tuesdays um, before we go into media day and everything like that. And like, you know, I had the last couple of days with her where we were just like, we're chilling, you know, and kind of just hanging out, you know, I was able to do my dad duties and everything. And it was just real cool. It was a good recharging feeling or the 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 podcast that I missed when you guys were texting and me and uh, the family were out at uh, in Carmel or at, uh, in Pebble Beach and like you know I hung out with uh, Ivy and Aaron for like three you know three straight days out there and you know with minimal time on my phone or talking to people and like just being recharged with focusing on those relationships is super was super good and just super overall just very like a uh, recharging too. I've been being way more deliberate and conscious about where I physically put my phones because of what you just said. Like, and that's where I'm going. Like I'm coming right off of what you were just talking about being present, right? Like, man, I have, I've been bad about that in the past of, you know, having so much of what I do, is is involving the internet man like social media is like i'm constantly on it i have to be i'm in my email like there's a lot of things going on when i'm not like working in my other company which is like i have to that when i'm working in my other company like my phones are nowhere in this office at all they can't be um but like i wasn't doing that with like friends and family so now i'm like no i've actually started doing something that I haven't done like ever. And that is I leave my work phone at home sometimes now. Like when I go out to do social stuff, like I don't even freaking bring it, man. Yeah. And that, and some people might be like, well, why? no, like it was everywhere with me. You know, like I have two phones. I have the personal phone, which is the iPhone because I really don't talk to a whole lot of people on it and I hate iPhones. So I figured, you know, the, if you got to have an iPhone, I want it on the phone. I use the least. Um, and then I have the good old Android for everything, you know, work related. Well, so this bad boy has been staying home has been, if I'm interacting with friends and family, it stays like in my fanny pack away. Like I make it like two steps like a gun, like a Florida gun law, right? Like two <laughs> steps away. That's what I, how I treat my cell phone so that I don't get caught up so I can be more present. 
I've been doing a, I haven't necessarily gone as far as staging on like putting them places, but I've, I do this thing now where like I just flip my phone like around so the screen doesn't light up. So I started catching myself when I started making like this transition, like in the last, or, you know, just behavioral, I guess, transition in the last, like this last year or in like this year time frame, where I would just catch myself looking at it. Like it almost becomes like, cause you know, whether you get text messages, phone calls, the thing just lights up. Like you just naturally start doing this, like, like irky jerk, like maneuver. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? It's just, you're anticipating like constantly responding to people, talking to people and all these other things. So I just started flipping it over. And now it's like, I don't even really do it anymore. That's what I was like, I had to make sure once you brought that up, I was like, let me make sure this shit's flipped over, <laughs> put, put, put away over there. That way I'm not catching myself, you know, whether it's a reflection off the light, you know, or whatever it may be. So that dopamine, man, it's that dopamine cycle, the dopaminergic process. Good old Andrew Huberman, right? Like, have you, have you, have you listened to that episode yet? No, I, uh, so what's the last one I just listened to? So I, I don't know if I told you this, but I started taking this stuff called MNN, NMN. Um, I don't know the whole, but it's supposed to like restructure like your DNA household recovery. Like it's like an anti-aging thing. It really does like, like help a lot. I'll shoot you offline a picture of the bottle. Um, but it does like help out a lot. And like, that was the, the last podcast I listened to was with him and Joe Rogan. And they were talking about that specifically and how that they, you know, how they were taking in all this other stuff like that. So that's the last like thing I've listened to of his, but uh, I have um, a pretty backlog on that. I, I kind of like cherry pick cause he's got so much content. So the, the dopamine one was one of the first ones I went to just from my own kind of curiosity and familiarity um, with that neurotransmitter and how it works and listening to him and like how he breaks things down. Oh my gosh. It makes you want to take your cell phone and smash it into a million pieces. Yeah. <laughs> because once you learn really how, like how dopamine really works. And I don't just mean the way a lot of dog trainers toss it around. Yeah. They pick, Cause they, you know, whatever. Um, um, but like, I mean, like how it really, really like the science of it in a broad spectrum, like not specific to any species. Right. And, um, yeah, it makes you want to destroy your cell phone. Makes you want to never have it anywhere near you ever again because you realize how much your cell phone is freaking your brain up. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, and someone might say, well, it's the internet on the phone. Well, whatever you want to call it, tomato, tomato. Like, the phone is the freaking vessel. It's the vessel for just so much stuff that's going to mess with your brain so that's a good episode you gotta watch um another episode that really that hit me was his um his no his well his episode where he explains what alcohol does to to you oh and yeah <laughs> that was the nail in the coffin for me um what i'm just over a month without a single drop of alcohol yeah you got it you're definitely about a month because we did that one episode and then you weren't drinking then so that was yeah that was about four weeks ago yeah i think it was march 15th or something or 17th i don't remember the day it was that week that i said i finally said nope we're gonna do one year we're gonna do one year zero zero alcohol and nice. um 
like that when he was breaking that down it, it made it a no-brainer like yeah i knew it was something i should do something i wanted to do um something that I, man you can't not benefit from that that's a win yeah but then when i like nerded out on it and like listened to him explain what it does i was like oh yeah yeah okay is that the be gone. is that the one he did with burt kreischer well, no, I listened to on, I listened to Huberman's. Huberman podcast. Labs one? He's, he, yeah, Huberman, it was a Huberman Lab episode. Now he's mm-hmm. done the, I saw, I saw pieces of the one he did about Burt, um, but I haven't seen the whole thing in its entirety. I just watched like the Huberman Lab episode where he just runs through all his nerd stuff um, in a, in layman's terms. So it's for anybody out there, can't recommend that stuff and enough to to some of those episodes like the stuff he breaks down and in particular yeah i mean i think everyone should kind of reconsider um certain aspects of their lives that could potentially result in some benefits it's been interesting socially oh i believe it holy crap man you want to talk about association associative learning like all the all the stuff all the stuff we drop and we're you know talking about dogs and how dogs learn man i mean it's wild to me how un like awkward um slightly anxious i felt when i went to my first bar since i stopped drinking because at first i was like I'm not, I can't go there anymore. It's like, well, why not? Like I have a couple of bars I really like going to because I really like the people there. Like I know the staff. I know the, I enjoy talking to the people that are there. A lot of my friends go there. Like, wait a minute. Like it's not the alcohol, right? So screw it. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to experience this. And man, at first it was like, uh, can I get an unsweet tea? You know, like, can I get ginger ale <laughs> on the rocks? And, I, you know, once I got over the novelty of like, whoa, this is different. You know, some people had some things to say. And I had some things to say back and it was all good. Um, but at first it, it was like, whoa, I had like this associate. You pair these things. This experience, you pair them, you pair them. You know, it, it was. It was mind opening to go through that and now it's you know it doesn't it only lasted for like a little bit and like i've gone several times i've gone out and hang out with people they're drinking around me like doesn't bother me i'm not like mm-hmm. it's like yeah i'm not doing that right now hey, yeah. like, and they're like oh you quit i'm like i don't know i'll, I'll let you know in a year because i yeah. made a vow <laughs> at this point it was an oath you know it was just like i made an oath i told all the people that i'm like socially accountable to like this is what i'm doing hold me accountable um that's it. That's all it is at this point. Like I'm not on a soapbox at all. I'm not, you know, just, I'm doing this for a year. Um, maybe after a year I'll have a beer or something or I'll have a bourbon. I don't know. Yeah. It's just that it's funny how people like treat, like, especially the alcohol thing. Like it's like this weird, like, I don't, I don't even know what the right word for it is, but like, it's why always just, drinking. Why aren't yeah. you having, whoever says that about, why aren't you going to do a line of Coke? <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to smoke crack what's wrong with you are you a loser it's like nobody right. says that <laughs> it's like a weird stigma thing i mean so i'll 100 percent like especially like on like the like just the association or the behavioral thing like f- especially for me like 
typically like if I'm like going to be in a heavily social like environment where it's not pertaining to work, like, you know, obviously because like work environments have to be different, but like, you know, it's like alcohol is typically involved just so I can kind of just have a little more of a buffer and just kind of just be like, all right, like I can kind of relax and, and I hate to say it this way, but like tolerate people just because for the most part, like I'm kind of just more, I think the it's an introverted uh, is the term like when I'm just like normal like me stuff but I've I did notice because I've done this like a bunch of times just you know getting healthy and like you know even when you know back in competitive days or even you know a year or two ago when I was like the one sober for about like 10 months or some stuff and even now uh, well after I showed you that the the whoop info about after I drank on that the 10 year I and remember then, <laughs> and then the, the mad it so the whoop for those who don't know whoop like tracks like your recovery and your sleep and I'm on this big health kick. Or I've been on this big health kick for the last few months. So the 10 year anniversary was, which was early this year or early this month. I drank, I wasn't drinking and I drank uh, fairly heavily during the, during the party, the surprise party. And my freaking recovery rate was like goose egg for like three days of just like getting your body, like the alcohol out of your system and everything like that. So I was like, okay, well that's going to go. Cause I'm trying to run all these miles and do all this working out stuff. And I can't be doing it on fumes. But just the besides like the recovery aspect of it, just the ability to I looked at it more as a test too, is like the ability to like be able to build more social stamina without utilizing essentially what I was calling them PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, alcohol, uh, in order for me to be able to perform better in those social environments. But yeah, no, the the general association, especially, you know, going through this in earlier years of like not drinking and things like that especially like in the dog training community where it seems to be pretty uh, prevalent, you know, it was, it was, it was very interesting switching off and being able to be like, Oh, I'm a lot more irritable than I normally am. Like, Oh, that's why. Cause I don't got the peds in me right now, but building that up has definitely helped uh, in other ways as well. Besides getting healthier, I think just in general, it's just like a better mind state and ability to communicate properly too. Yeah. Because you're having to do it. <laughs> like, you're having you're forced to like there's there's no way out there's no grease in the wheel you know and socially for me it was it's it's interesting because like you really got to know me to know me and you know people will they, they they see it at face value and if they only see me on social media or they only know me in a certain context right they might think one thing about me they don't know how uncomfortable I might be in certain situations, in particular social ones. There are times where I'm incredibly uncomfortable. I'm just really good at hiding it, <laughs> like really good at managing my behavior. I have skills that I've developed that allow me to absolutely get the job done, whatever the job might be, and get the job done. doesn't mean... That doesn't well that doesn't tell you anything about how I feel yeah and there are you know certain certain social contexts where I get social anxiety I've had anxiety my whole life I've always dealt with it. they've thrown freaking prescriptions at me I've never taken a single freaking pill to this day I believe no like you can work through things on your own and exercise change your habits like do whatever you got to do um and like there are times man like my leg will shake. And I don't mean, I'm not talking about 
tapping, which is, you know, an anxious behavior. I'm talking about like so anxious and uncomfortable that there will be an uncontrollable shake that if you looked at it, you'd be, you would know like, dude, what are you shaking for? Like <laughs> that it's, it's, it's that tangible, right? Yeah. You don't see that. You're not going to see that here. I'm still going to be talking the way I talk. I'm still going to be doing what I need to do. The job's getting done. Life of the party, talking to everybody because I do enjoy it. But I might be really uncomfortable. And for me, alcohol absolutely was a tool to make that go completely away. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it it, it does the job. There's just the other problems that come with that where it's like, okay, well, now it did the job. You don't need to have any more right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, not i'm looking forward to i'm actually excited to put myself in some of the situations where i know i'm gonna feel that way where maybe i'd have like two drinks that just kind of like smooth it out yeah um, I'm, I'm looking forward to those opportunities because now i'm excited about getting the reps in i'm excited about like all right cool like i'm gonna sharpen the freaking sword man like it's gonna get sharper now that i've taken this crutch or i've taking this tool that you know i wouldn't say i overused it you know i was talking with someone the other day and like dude you hardly drink like what's the why would you stop drinking like i don't even think i've seen you have a drink that like it's not about frequency and everyone's everyone's deal is their own deal like i don't care if it, if it was maybe twice a month i didn't there were things i didn't like about what would happen twice a month that made me say yeah you know what maybe i should think about this it, it, everyone you know it's a sliding scale and to each their own yeah. well, everyone manages their, their relationship with different vices differently you know like people have reasons for doing things that it's completely different than someone else you know well mm -hmm. as long as you guess of everything you know if you have an understanding of that and you you know when to keep it in check you know that's the most important thing and obviously that's what you're doing brother how is the health stuff going? Like, how how is the what's the update on that? We getting those walks in? Um, yeah, walks have been getting in. Gonna have to make some more changes with the diet. Um, changes and execution need to change. Um, I've noticed there's a couple times where I've kind of not kind of where I've eaten things that I just probably I shouldn't. And just in general, not because of any specific reason, but things I just shouldn't eat. Only now with some of the medical concerns I have, like I'm getting punished for it way more, way Jeez. more than ever before. So it's like, yeah, my blood sugar was getting high, starting to develop some insulin resistance. All right, we need to cut out sugars. Duh. Like, okay. <laughs> but there were a couple of times recently where, you know, family gathering, social gathering, where I was like, you know, I've been eating okay lately, you know, and just ate whatever. I got that GERD thing going on. Oh. And it's getting worse. So I got to get back in the doctor and, and like, I'm really trying to avoid taking drugs for it. Like, really, really, really trying to avoid that. Because I don't like the concept of what the drugs do. Uh, they they alter your stomach chemistry. They change the the way that your, you know, things function. And like I don't like that idea. It doesn't make sense to me. And I, I I'm 
very aware that modern Western medicine will put a Band-Aid on one problem that causes another. Like, they don't give a crap because that just means they'll get to sell you another thing and another thing and another thing. I'm very cynical about all of that. Um, so I'm, like, really trying to deal with this as holistically and naturally as possible. But holy crap, man. Like, the slightest shit. If I eat things that used to never bother me, like, I can't sleep at night. I take naps. Because yeah. as soon as I lie down, it's like my stomach contents are in my esophagus. And hey. it's burning. Like, it's it, it, it takes heartburn to a whole new level. Like, Ugh. and when you miss out on sleep, I had a couple times where it was like a couple days in a row. Like, I had to try to sleep sitting up. Um, and, and it doesn't really, doesn't really work that well for me anyway. Um, start going batty. Like I need, I need a full night's sleep. So I'm having to really buckle down and execute on whatever plan I put in. And I'm going to do, a, I'm going to go back to, um, I'm going to go back to a, do another pure carnivore, probably 10, 14 days, um, I already started this week where it'll be only carnivore only meats um it's not and for those people who are like what what like i don't do it for prolonged like i'm not it's not a lifestyle i choose to do for a long period of time currently i don't feel like i have to um but I, that's how i like to cleanse i like to cleanse with just meat and you know red meat eggs that's about it <laughs> red meat and eggs for <laughs> you know, minimum 10 days. And then I bring in the fruits. Then I bring in like a sweet potato. Then I bring, you know, I have a couple other things, but I'll stay meat based. And I have just found when I'm really good about that, I just feel better. And this is going to be a new, now I'm not just trying to feel better. I'm trying to deal with a legitimate medical concern. I'm trying to deal with some very real health issues I'm facing. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to some relief because um, I really don't want to take the pills. Like they mess with you, like your proton pump inhibitors, all these things. It's all about Damn. like how your stomach produces bile and stomach acid, which is like the stuff that digests your food. So it's like, why would I want to mess with the stuff that digests my food just because my esophagus is broken and isn't doing its job. So you might want to look into like homeopathy stuff, man, like that stuff, uh, so strangely enough, I got into it through uh, my daughter's horse trainer or her her coach who's really big into it. And she like works with this company or something. I forgot to sell something. Um, but like they when I was like when I had a bunch of like issues going on, like physical stuff like that, they got me onto it, got me with this that company and they started providing like just the normal stuff. Like I was on a stuff called like Belladonna, uh, this other like uh, this HDH homeopathy and then a couple other things for some nerve damage I have uh, just from, you know, years of playing regular stuff on my body. And it's like, it's made a big difference, like a big, like, and it's from what I'm to understand, because I don't know too much about it. I just kind of, you know, listen to certain things that they've said. Uh, but what it does is it just gets like directly to the issue versus bypassing all those other issues, which creates a bunch of like negative side effects. So homeopathy, uh, done right and done correctly like there's no real drawback to it other than like i think like with the the hgh stuff i was taking like you just once you're like you're kind of recovered into like you're you're done like you just basically stop taking it 
uh, and then you just bring it in as needed, but it goes straight to, you know, the problem and it fixes it and all that other stuff. So I've had a really good, uh, good experience with it, but yeah, if you're down, I can always uh, talk to that lady and see if there's anything for that GERD stuff. Yeah. I'm, listen, man, anything I can do to avoid taking like stuff made by the man, <laughs> right? Stuff made by the, the man, by the government, by all of that stuff. Like, I'm just not, oh, speaking of government. Did Uh-oh. you see, um, <laughs> sorry, like, whoop, squirrel, squirrel, just saw a squirrel, totally distracted me, but it is dog related though. So I guess that's appropriate. You see that post I did on Facebook about the, um, the lady that lost her arm. No, uh, but one thing that I've noticed, I don't know if you're having a problem with this on Facebook and on Instagram, I'm not seeing like any of my like actual, like, like friends or followers accounts anymore. Like I want to go tag somebody in one of the uh, like someone asked me if there's like uh, a trainer in like the state and I want to go tag the person like I was like, oh, this person is. And then I looked at it, I was like, dude, I'm not even like following them or like my or like something happened. And I've seen it like on multiple of my other uh, accounts or like, you know, not the primal because I don't run the primal page anymore. But the the my like the on my page, I'll look up things and I won't ever I like I never see your stuff. Like I'll actually have to like. Like I have to like look up Katie. I, I did this this morning. I'll have to look it up, and I'm like, dude, I was like, okay, like I never see your, like any of your stuff. I rarely see any of my own staff stuff anymore. Like I, they have to like tag me in it, and I just see like a bunch of random things. So I got to mess around with my Instagram, and it's all my Facebook too. Like it's just a bunch of random things. So uh, there must be something with the meta configuration that I have or I, something. So I on. wouldn't know because I don't have a face. I don't really ever view a Facebook feed because if I'm using Chrome. I have a, an extension that hides my Facebook feed, like oh. hides the, so I don't get distracted. Um, it's a great app, by the way. Um, but anyway, so I made this post about a news story that came across my across my bow, and um, it, it, the reason why the government triggered it was because over in England they have like the government RSPCA, it's like it's their kennel club people that make rules about dogs it's all tied in right and like you think stuff's bad here like they're full-blown like the government's involved with pushing the agenda and you know you know big credit to jamie penrith a dog trainer out there who's fighting the good fight and he he posts a lot about it and i kind of stay up to date on what's going on over there through his social media um but there was a story of a uh, a woman who went to the the shelter and fostered a dog. Big old bulldog, like American bulldog mix, like big mofo. I mean, it nice. looks like an American bully, you know, like. You know, if anything, like a hybrid or a Scott, you know, not Johnson type, but like just a big, giant, for lack of a better way to put it, just a giant pit bull, right? Like a hundred pounder. Yeah. Oh, they didn't tell her that he attacked his last two handlers (laughs) at only, he's only 18 months old, by the way. Oh, perfect. Perfect timing. (laughs) And they push positive only never correct a dog never punish a dog never tell a dog no everything must be cuddles and kisses because you know that's all dogs need is cuddles and kisses apparently that lady now has one arm 
because she lost the other one when the dog latched on and they couldn't get it off. And it was on her arm for about 20 minutes before the cops came and tased it off. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> so now she's suing for only 200,000 pounds, which is probably, I don't know, 300, 300 and some 400 and some thousand us dollars. Um, like I'd be suing for a gajillion. Uh, but like, you know, holy frick, man. Like, they lied. They yeah. did. Like, this dog had attacked its previous two handlers, and they're going to give it. And, and she was a petite lady. I mean, she couldn't have been five foot. Nothing. Dog probably weighed only 10, 15 pounds less than her. And we know dog pound for pound. Like, I don't want, I don't want a hundred pound dog to have to wrestle with. Yeah, and they've no. done that. Like, no, I'm not up. I really don't want to deal with that. Um, yeah. Imagine being a petite, inexperienced lady with trying to deal with that, you know. And it's, it's so, just so wild to me. It's so wild that they push this narrative and they push these ideologies that create dangerous dangerous problems like people are getting fucked up and like nope just let's just oh you got a pinch collar on you're gonna burn in hell oh you got an e-collar on you're a horrible person meanwhile like people are losing body parts it's well i mean going back to what you really said i'm one of i'm not a petite nor am i a lady and i got some experience uh and i definitely you know as in, sometimes as enjoyable it is to wrestle around with our 100 pound dogs <laughs> when they're biting me in a bite suit uh i live with the consequences of that after uh with bruising and everything like that let alone getting your arm ripped off uh but it's it's crazy man like the amount of like bs that i'll even like i'll call it like the left side the the positive reinforcement you know, people put out there just to kind of, you know, move their move, like put their movement on or narrative or whatever the hell that they're doing. It's it's pretty insane when you look at it, like the amount of dogs they euthanize because that because the training doesn't or the dog doesn't fit their training style is insane. Like the the amount of people that the trolls go on there and talk crap online and say all the stuff about prong collars, e collars, uh, the dog looking suppressed on a one minute video that has probably some sound over it. like the amount of stuff that they put out to the put on social media is already insane let alone the lack of understanding of the evidence that's out there like the lady who loses her arm or people you know who dogs or people are getting consistently attacked and you know we like we deal with this when we talk to people on the phone you know like oh my dog's already bitten like my son my daughter my grandpa my brother mom dad all this stuff punctured but like i don't want to create them like that's mean like i don't want to put a prong collar does that hurt them like the e-collar i don't want to shock my dog because well you're not shocking your dog you know just the i don't i'll I'll, I'll use the term ignorance the pure ignorance of most of the people that are getting spoon-fed all this like positive enforcement bs and it's not necessarily the people that are who are just like because people just want their dog to be happy, right? They just want to There's live. There's nothing just, wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with these they come from noble intentions. Yeah, the intentions are great, but I the transparency from the positive reinforcement side isn't there. Oh, they, they flat out freaking lie. 
Yeah, it's it's like the one of the one of the most amazing dolphin noise, and I use the f dolphin noises substitute for f word here on drinks and dogs and anything else I'm on now that people have to edit because they get mad at me. The, the amount of dolphin noise like BS that's out there when it comes to or the term that I always hear it's science based. Like, well, yeah, when they get a correction, a negative uh, chemicals released into the brain, and like, yeah, it's a negative. I was like, well, no shit. Like, of course, when you give them a positive thing, you're going to have a positive response. If you put your hand on a stove when it's hot, yeah, you're going to get a negative response. Like, you're, we're talking about obvious facts. But am I going to put my hand on the dolphin noise stove again after that hurt a little bit? No, I'm not talking about burning your dog. I'm talking about just associative-based learning. That got me this, which was cool. This got me that, which wasn't cool, and I don't really want to do that. And you don't have to correct them in any form of harsh way, but in a way that they understand it so the behavior doesn't consistently go. But that's the problem with the positive enforcement aspect of it is that the sounding of positive enforcement, the theory, not necessarily the application, but the thought process of it sounds all great. It's a great selling point. You're not ruffling any feathers, but you are creating uh, ignorant following or people who may not really understand, you know, the actual ins and outs of dog training. You're creating an ignorant following of people who will now continually push, you know, the positive bullshit. And it's putting more dogs in danger. It's putting more people in danger. It's euthanizing more dogs than any balance trainer I've ever talked to. You know, even some of the bad balance trainers out there, they have probably have less youth cases than some of the than most of the good positive reinforcement trainers out there. And then guess what, too, is that the people, the people that get washed out, the dogs get washed out in positive reinforcement end up in the shelter where they develop more issues or get euthanized there too. So yeah, the the positives agenda, which I don't know if you noticed earlier this year, they kind of hit the the internet hard. It's, it's almost like they come in waves where they start going off of like the e-caller agenda or other crap mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, people can say what they want. Positive enforcement can say what they want. Uh, do I, am I against it? Absolutely. I'm not against it. I'm not against positive enforcement. I'm, I'm against positive enforcement only and only sticking to that. I think that, you know, dog training itself is something where it's kind of like a, it's a mix and match of things that work for that individual dog learning, learning and knowing all the different methodologies and theories and knowing when to apply it or when not to apply it to a certain dog is extremely important, but pigeonholing yourself to one, you know, one theory. And I'll use theory because theoretically, like, yeah, it sounds great. Applicationally, it doesn't apply to everything. And it's probably been debunked more than anything else that using positive reinforcement just in general to have consistent behavior, especially with dogs who like that dog that ripped that lady's arm off who have bitten other handlers, it's probably not going to be the best way to go to, you know, best route or method to go to when it comes to those type with those type of cases. So, yeah, it's. And, and neither one of us are saying anything that probably the majority of people watching this don't already know, you know, it's not about positive reinforcement, like you said. Yeah. Positive reinforcement isn't even a it's it's the it's a thing. It's a it's a consequence. It's not a way of training. It's not a method of training. It's not a type of training. It's a thing you do in training. The yeah. term but has then been taken into and been used within an ideology. The ideology, which goes by several labels. But the ideology of never make a dog uncomfortable, never make a dog feel stressed, that 
ideology isn't even a sound theory. It doesn't even make sense as a theory to anyone who can think about it without emotion, let alone anybody who understands how brain chemistry works and the psychology of stress. Because, you know, if we look at, if we look at stress in general, it's not a bad thing. Nope. If we look at stress in general, it isn't even enough information because we have to look at the difference between distress and eustress. Some people don't even know that there's there's different types of stress. Eustress, <laughs> the excitement you feel, it's actually a stress response. And then even looking at distress, not all distress is bad. In fact, all or all of us thinking organisms, especially mammals, we need stress. Our brains are actually built to be able to process certain types of stress. And we thrive when there's certain types of stress because you know why? Because in nature, there is unavoidable stress. So you had to get good at it. You had to create organisms that actually thrived with it. What do I mean? Um, Robert Sapolsky. Uh wrote an interesting book. I'm like a part of the way through. He's written several books. But one of the things is like, why zebras don't get ulcers? Interesting, interesting book. But learning explains about stress. And there's, you know, I've listened to some other wonderful lectures and read some, you know, lots of good information and analogies to use. So for example, there's periodic or episodic, episodic stress, which is like, Something crazy is happening right this second. Holy shit. Okay, it's over. And then there's what a lot of us experience in our lives. Constant, medium level stress. Every day. One will help you thrive. The other will mess you up. Guess which one helps you thrive? Holy crap. Okay, we're good. That's good for you. That that keeps you healthy. It releases things, chemicals, neurotransmitters, hormones, all that jazz. Let's look at wild animals. In particular, prey animals. Like, let's take the zebra. Zebras, you know, they're not dropping dead from, from stress. But let's look at the kind of stress that a zebra might face in his daily activities. He could get freaking eaten. He could have a giant <laughs> cat, which I'm not a fan of cats. I think they're freaking evil. <laughs> There's a sound bite for you to the media team. You know, and only it's a really big one that all it does is kill stuff. And at any moment in time, this lion can come out and grab the zebra by the throat. Or forget a lion. What if the zebra is taking a sip from the water and one of them freaking dinosaurs comes out, those armor-plated dinosaurs called Nile crocodiles, and latches on and takes half his face off? Like, that could happen at any point in time. Yep. That's not <laughs> dramatic. It's probably happening right now, right this second. There are numerous animals in the Serengeti Plain or Norgorongo Crater who are getting disemboweled as we speak. It's happening right now. And to the zebra who got away, he ain't even thinking about it. 
He's getting ready to go get it on with a zebra that's in season. He's, you know, chilling, hanging out with the other zebras. Like, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. They're not, like, all walking around like, <laughs> I can't take the stress. Because that's episodic stress. It's actually good for you. It's good for the immune system. What isn't good is nonstop, constant, low-level stress. So when we think about dogs in a human home, I mean, right now, more than ever before, reactivity, separation anxiety, just constant anxiety, dogs, like that's what everyone's talking about. And the aggression that comes along with it. You think it's a coincidence that it has come at a time where everyone's saying, do not create episodic stress in the dog, meaning don't give the dog a correction. Don't teach the dog to never do this. Don't allow the dog to hit the hot wire to teach him from jumping over the fence. Like don't like all these don't create episodic stress that teaches a lesson. No, instead create this bubble that isn't foolproof because you still got to take the dog outside. Or maybe you don't take the dog outside. So the bubble is internal and now the dog's stressed because he never gets outside. And the dog thinks they're in control of everything because you've never told them no. And now you go to work and the dog can't handle it. Like that's a sick suffering dog. That dog that's experiencing this constant level of, of anxiety and stress because you didn't want to create a moment of episodic stress that the dog is actually wired just like we are and all these other animals to take, learn from, and thrive. Well, like, that's the thing too. Not rocket science, man. Well, I mean, like that's a that's a because obviously, like we, you know, we're hands on with dogs every, pretty much every single day, and like talking to clients about that. You know, when it comes to explaining, because it a lot of the a lot of what a client's thought process is, it's exactly what you're saying, but they don't really grasp understanding that without proper structure, without a form of a balanced tra balanced training, whether it's balanced more than positive, you know, negative, whatever it may be without really proper forms of communication for that dog, that dog is living in a consistent form of stress because and anxiety because they don't really have any clear form of direction from the person that's they've been they've been genetically and bred to listen and thrive from routine. So they're living in a consistent form of stress all the time versus one learning, you know, a handful of learning moments that create proper behavioral response. And if you ever notice that I tell my clients that like we when we do because I'm, you know, I have a lot of private clients right now. But when I'm, you know, working with them, like, you know, certain stressful situations happen and next, you know, the dog's calm, chill. That's all right. It went through it. Now it's okay. It's fine. And the dog's perfectly fine. Like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I see what's going on here. It's like versus without using forms of corrections, I'll, I'll use an example of a dog who's heavily reactive, right? Dog's at the end of its line, constantly panting, you know, it's freaking eyes are bloodshot. It's looks like it's freaking out the whole entire walk. You know, because there's no form of correction. It's just losing spine and everything like that when we first get it. Going into some training, do a couple, you know, you know, reward some engagement, correct some pre-reactive behavior that leads to bigger reactions. Dog has a couple incidents where it gets a little bit of a correction and it, you know, gets like, okay, well, well, that kind of sucked a little bit. That rest of the walk, the dog's calm, chill, understanding, looking for engagement because it's getting its reward. Understanding like, oh, reacting this way is going to get me a correction that wasn't necess was not necessarily desired, but the overall experience of the dog is now great. They're looking at the handler for like, oh, hey, like, okay, like I'm engaging. This is what you wanted, right? Kind of thriving in that life where they had a couple of those, you know, what you call the episodic, you know, stressors like happened, but 
the rest of the dog's life is now calm because they haven't had those learning experiences and they're completely fine. And then the handler's like, oh, I get what you're saying. I was like, yeah, I was like, your dog, it's believe it or not, but your dog is love, loves that balance. And the reason why your dog has that one transition of that phase where they're like, oh, Fluffy doesn't look like it's, you know, having a great time. I was like, yes, because the dog is now learning, relearning its life and understanding that this is what, you know, is making them feel a lot more well-rounded as an animal and as what they are. And it's kind of conducive to, you know, them genetically and them just as a being and as well. So now, you know, the dogs kind of get in through it, but getting those people to kind of turn that corner and understanding that, Hey, like your dog does nest does need a form of balance. Like there's absolutely need a form of balance in order to kind of have, you know, that ever, you know, that, uh, relieving of the stress that I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about your general pet, you know, the people who walk down the street, you know, once a day with their dog and, you know, the dog is, free roam in the house all the time and destroying things or developing, you know, I guess what was that other type of consistent stress you called? The, I didn't have a name for it. I just made that, it. I just went, yeah. The, the merit stress that now causing the merit stress for the handler and for them, uh, for the dog as well. And this is like everything we just said, by the way, completely applies to us. Like all of it. You know, I know I had a, I enjoyed listening to Rogan talk about it. Like his, he went in on like, you know, we're still wired the way cave people were like, we're still wired the way our ancestors were who like, they were like the zebra. They had to worry about getting eaten by something when they were picking berries. Like they had to worry about dying every time they went to go acquire meat sources. They had a constant, like there was very real life and death struggles that took place i'm willing to bet no one was popping zoloft back then or even needed to and you know it's not a coincidence that we're seeing more and more dogs suffering from general anxiety separation anxiety uh, aggression that's coming from the inability to deal with frustration the inability to deal with things outside of, of one's control it's not a coincidence that while we're seeing this with dogs, we have a growing population of people who are more fragile than your finger after leaving a Band-Aid on it for six months through the summer. Like, it's if you looked at our grandparents and great-grandparents, the things that bother us, they'd be like, are, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> are you kidding? And I, I always think of, like, the cliche thing that we always think our grandparents are going to say – when I was your age, I walked six miles to school and I fought off packs of dogs and wolverines to get there in the winter when it was minus 20. You know, that's a cliche. It's a joke, but there's like, there's merit to it. There's some yeah. weight to it because they're proving a point. They're like, you know what? What are you upset about? Because like, I dealt with stuff like not knowing whether or not we were going to eat. Dealt with stuff yeah. like not knowing whether or not we were gonna have the lights on dealt with like the things that previous generations dealt with made them resilient and the easier things get inevitably the weaker, the easier it is to get weaker. If you're not constantly seeking pressure, if you're not constantly seeking what, you know, it, it, that's a personal, that's a very personal topic for me because I, I, I don't like the way in the past I've dealt with stress. I don't like I wanted to be, I identified some major room for growth in my personal resiliency. Let me put it that way. 
Once I got into like my mid thirties. Like, like that's like that quote. That's funny. I heard that's one of the same things on the Rogan show, but it was like the the quote that always like comes to mind when I hear stuff like that. Now is like what, tough times create great men, great men create great times, great times create weak men, weak men create you know tough times. And we're in that weak man stage right now for sure. I mean, and if you well another thing before we wrap this up because obviously we're running a little bit tight on time here. Um, but if you notice too, with the influx in pharmaceutical drugs being used in people, it's, uh, even becoming more so, and not to say it wasn't like light before, but now just talking to people, like when they go to their vets, they're like, oh, they, now they're on all these other type of like medications. And, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming, especially after the pandemic, holy shit. I was coming from the shelters. They're coming from the shelters already on trazodone. Yep. It is insane. But uh, that's going to be another topic for once we get back on track here, Katie. With yeah, let's talk <laughs> about drugs next time. All right. So let's wrap it up. Um, let me give a shout out to our sponsor real quick because I haven't the whole entire podcast. And I should have when you brought up your fanny pack. Um, Ray Allen. So <laughs> Yeah, they got it. Yeah. Did, did you get one yet? Has Matt has Wilson made you yours yet? Matt Wilson. No. The fanny pack king, man. You better get on it for for a KD here. Uh, but shout out to Ray Allen, uh, the only sponsor of Drinks and Dogs and K9 Street League. Make sure you check him out, rayallen.com forward slash K9SL. And then for a discount, use Primal10, all caps. So big shout out to the Ray Allen team, Matt Wilson, Billy, all those guys. Uh, KD, I know we say this all the time, but where can people get a hold of you? At kd matthews at one t i know media they've been doing good they'll put it right up in there so you can see it or head over to my website socratic canine spelled out c-a-n-i-n-e that's the best place to find me instagram i'm on facebook but instagram is my that's my jam and then yeah, instagram pretty much for me and uh for myself it is the mike jones underscore pc i believe and then the PTV underscore network or network underscore PTV. So one of those things, check it out. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of stuff there'll all be over the version. Yeah, you'll get it. Uh, but again, guys, uh, there won't be a link to this. So I'll have to say it. Make sure you guys are liking the videos or disliking them. Let us know what you, you know, topics you like. You know, this is an open communication, you know, type of podcast that Katie and I do where we have these conversations. And, you know, if you have any questions, uh, comment on the video. If you have any thoughts, comment on the video. We can bring it up. And again, we're not necessarily as much passion goes through these conversations. You know, we're very open minded. We do like to have conversations and talk to people and see what they're thinking. Or if you have a topic you like to talk about us, make sure you comment on the videos. Um, so yeah, like, subscribe, comment, follow, share with your friends. This is available on YouTube and all basically wherever you get your podcast from. So this was episode 36. Thank you. There I appreciate you, brother. And uh we'll be talking uh next week. All righty. See ya. Have a good one.